Amen. What a blessing it is to be on the winning side. And uh, I'm thankful we could come and sing that song together this morning, no matter the outcome of the game last night. And uh, I'm thankful to be on that winning side too. And, uh, but more importantly, isn't it wonderful as a Christian to know, win or lose, uh, whatever happens in this world, the sports teams, the political things, all the other things going on, when we're with the Lord, we are on the winning side. It's not a question of whether or not the Lord will win. He always wins. The question is whether or not we'll be on the winning side. And I hope that you know which side you're on this morning and that you're serving Him. And sometimes it's one thing to know you're on the winning side, and then it's another thing to live like you're on the winning side. And I hope we can live like that together in the strength of the Lord serving Him. It is good to be back home. We enjoyed our time away. And I'm thankful for those that held t things together here for us while we were gone and served in our place. And it's a blessing to be back home. We had a wonderful time with friends and family away, but it's good to be back with our church family. It's a very special thing for us. Pray for the Tanners today. He's down. I had a pastor friend call and needed somebody to fill in today. So I said, well, Josh just did it for me. And I sent him, to <laughs> asked if he could go down there. So Josh went down there. So pray for him as he has an opportunity to encourage another church today. We have a number of folks out of town and various things. I guess I set the precedent. I'm out of town, so you can go out of town. It's okay. And enjoy your time away if you get that opportunity. And if you don't, we're so glad that you're here to worship with us today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Ask Him to bless our time. We need His help, and uh, we want to acknowledge Him in everything we do. Our Father, we love You. We thank You that You are in heaven this morning, high and lifted up. Lord, we worship you for your greatness, for your goodness, for your grace to us. Father, we thank you for the wonderful gifts that you've given us of life and breath, the ability to praise you. We thank you for the opportunity to worship you freely this morning. I thank you for each one that's gathered here today to be a part of singing and praising you and, and then being a part of responding to your word. As we hear it preached, Father, I pray that we would have soft, tender hearts to your working today. Pray for Brother Josh and Anna and as they are away ministering in another church today. I pray that you'd bless them, use them today. Thank you for the ministry that they have here. Father, we thank you for those this week who have served you in various ways. I know there were people ministering to those who were sick and hurting this past week. I think of... Katie Spencer, I pray that you'd encourage her, Lord, today and strengthen her body. Think of those who were an encouragement to others who have been down. I'm thankful that Brother Larry's able to be here today, and Lord, we know he's been down with some things. I pray that you'd continue to provide that he could get his house back in order soon and uh, after the flooding. Pray for others who are still recovering after these floods. Encourage them today. But Lord, as we come to you today, we... We want to praise you and glorify you, not just because you give us good things, but because you are truly good. And because no matter what comes, no matter what happens, we know that you are in control. We praise you for your power. We praise you for your love to us. We thank you for the blessing that it is to gather together today. Pray that you bless all that happens in this service. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're looking forward to some wonderful things coming up, opportunities to minister in our community and things. I know you see the table in the back. They're taking up some candy collections to be able to use uh, as we 
have an opportunity to reach out to some boys and girls here in a few weeks and their families. So we're looking forward to that. There's some flyers back there if you want to take those. I was asked this morning to announce if uh, any ladies or men that want to are available. Um, we're trying to do a few more meals for Katie during the month of November. And so if you'd like to sign up for that, we've kind of just been trying to help her as we can. And uh, so I know that'd be a blessing to her. And you go through the same process to sign up for that as you would before. One other thing, too, that will just help us... Uh, some of our nursery ladies were talking to me. I'm thankful our nursery continues to grow, and uh, it's been a blessing. Of course, baby Chloe added, she's not here today. She skipped church to be with her parents today, and that's a good thing. But uh, anyway, just new babies all the time and new things. So one thing that will help them, if um, your children are in the nursery and you need to get them, just go talk to the ladies, and they'll be happy to bring them to you. Obviously, if it's an emergency, they can take you back there to them. But just because we have lots of people move more and more all the time moving in and out, unless you're actually working in the nursery that day, try to stay out of there. That'll help us and, and uh, the kids who aren't supposed to be in there and all that kind of stuff. So the ladies are just trying to keep things moving in the right direction. These are just normal growing pains kind of problems, and they're good problems to have, and we'll just work through those together. So just a little thing to help us there that way. Well, this morning we're going to dismiss our boys and girls out to junior church. And uh, so, boys and girls, you can head on out there with Mr. Billy, Miss Lisa, and Mr. Freddie's going to come and read to us from God's Word this morning. We're back in Nehemiah chapter 9, and I know I was gone the last two Sundays, so let me just give you a little refresher so that you can catch up to where we're at. Of course, you know in the book of Nehemiah what's been happening, that Nehemiah hears of this great trouble back in his homeland, the land of Israel, and so he goes and uh, to rebuild the wall. And God supplies and the people come together and a great work is done. 52 days they rebuild the wall around the city of Jerusalem. An amazing feat of engineering and, and a wonderful testimony to what can be done as people come together and work. And yet we saw at the end of chapter 6 as they finished the wall, this was a great thing and yet it didn't solve all of their problems. Because their ultimate problem wasn't a lack of a wall of physical protection their ultimate problem was sin the same problem that we all have that we've all done wrong and broken God's law and we all need forgiveness from God and then we saw over the last few weeks as we looked in Nehemiah in chapters 7 and 8 is there's a great return of the people back to worshiping God and following God they call for the word of God to be brought and God's word is read to them and and they had been neglecting to do some things that God had commanded them to do for nearly a thousand years. One of those was to observe the Feast of Tabernacles. And God had commanded them to do this. This was a way for them to remember their time in the wilderness as God had provided for them and protected them as He led them to the Promised Land. And so they reinstate this feast. There's great rejoicing, wonderful things. And Chapter 8, this continues on as the people are following God. And then chapter 9, we have this wonderful passage. It's a kind of a long chapter. So a couple, three weeks ago, we looked at the first six verses, really focusing on the greatness of God. And, and the greatness of God is so foundational to everything else that He is. Because today, the focus is on the goodness of God. And uh, you'll hear more about this in the message. But I think sometimes... We want to focus on the goodness of God and forget about His greatness. And what I mean about that is 
we enjoy all the gifts that God gives us, but we're not really sure if we enjoy God Himself for who He is. And it's very important that we enjoy the giver more than we enjoy the gifts. Because gifts come and gifts go. Gifts, gifts change based on God's plan. And so it's very important that the greatness is really the foundation there. And, but as we look at the goodness of God today, I think it'll really help us think about how God was good to the children of Israel and how He's also good to us. And then what our response should be to the goodness of God. So Freddie's going to read part of the passage this morning. Come on and do that, Romans, or Romans, Nehemiah chapter 9, verses 7 through 17. Thou art the Lord, the God, who didst choose Abram and broughtest him forth out of Ur of the Chaldees, and gave him the name of Abraham, and foundest his heart faithful before thee, and madest a covenant with him to give the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, and the Parasites, and the Jebusites, and the Girgashites, to give it, I say, to his seed. And has performed thy words, for thou art righteous, and did see the affliction of our fathers in Egypt, and heard us their cry by the Red Sea, and showed us signs and wonders upon Pharaoh, and on all his servants, and on all the people of his land. For thou knewest that they dealt proudly against them. So didst thou get thee a name, as it is this day. And thou didst divide the sea before them, so that they went through the mist of the sea on the dry land. And their persecutors thou threwest into the deeps as a stone into the mighty waters. Moreover, thou ledest them in the day by a cloudy pillar, and in the night by a pillar of fire, to give them light in the way wherein they should go. Thou camest down also upon Mount Sinai, and spakest with them from heaven and gavest them right judgments and true laws, good statutes and commandments, and madest known unto them thy holy Sabbath, and commandest them precepts, statutes, and laws by the hand of Moses thy servant, and gavest them bread from heaven for their hunger, and broughtest forth water for them out of the rock for their thirst, and promised them that they should go in to possess the land which thou hadst sworn to give them, but they and our fathers dealt proudly, and hardened their necks, and hearkened not to thy commandments, and refused to obey in either, or mindful of thy wonders that thou didst among them, but hardened their necks, and in their rebellion appointed a captain to return to their bondage. But thou art a God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and forsookest them not. When I was growing up, I grew up attending church and going to Sunday school classes and junior church and all of those kind of things like my children are doing now. Some of the things we would do at home at night sometimes is we would have a family devotion time when we would hear a Bible story or we would read together something about God and His working and in His Word and, and we would learn those things together. When I was a boy, we didn't have screens on the wall, but we had flannel graph boards, which was a board made out of wood covered in some felt or flannel, and then they would have little Bible characters that were cut out, and they would stick those on the board, and they would use those to tell the story. It was a great visual aid. 
Then, you know, things moved on. I remember as I got into youth group, we used these things called overhead projectors, you know, where you would write on the thing and it would project on the wall. And sometimes the teacher would have things on a paper and they would cover it up with another paper and just reveal a little bit at a time so you could see it. And uh, I always thought that was really neat. I don't know why, I'm just simple, I guess. And anyway, enjoyed those kind of things. As the stories were told, I, I enjoy stories. I, I think a lot of us do. We enjoy to hear how things happen. We enjoy hearing the process of things. I, I know even this morning when we got up, my kids said, well, what happened last night in the game? I was a mean parent. I made them go to bed uh, so that they could be awake in church this morning. And uh, I, I did stay up, and I know some of you did as well. So I feel like I probably had my work cut out for me this morning because I may not be as exciting as an Astros game, and yet we have a very exciting story for us this morning in Nehemiah chapter 9, because it's almost like one of those old Sunday school lessons where the teacher brings out the board and they begin to put those characters up on the, on the board or up on the screen and begin to tell the story little by little. And the story in Nehemiah chapter 9 is the story of God's goodness to His people, the children of Israel. Freddie read some of it for us, and I want to go back and just look at some of the highlights of it, if you will. You see back in verse 7, God chose Abraham. Out of all the people in the world that God could have picked, He chose Abraham. He called Abraham to leave his home, his, his place where his friends and family were located, and to travel away to a far country. And so, Abram that was his name at the time, obeyed God, and he followed him. God later changed his name to Abraham because he was a follower of God. And uh, we're so thankful for what Abraham did. Required great faith. God promised a special son to Abraham, a son of promise. Now, Abraham tried to take things into his own hands. And instead of having a son with his wife as was God's plan. He decided to have a son with his wife's servant instead. And of course, that caused a lot of problems. That's a whole other story, but it definitely plays into the story of the nation of Israel. But God was still faithful to Abraham because God's always faithful. God still kept His promise to Abraham because God always keeps His promises. And God still gave him a son, the son of promise. His name was Isaac. And then there's a, a covenant mentioned in verse 8 that God makes with Abraham that he would give him this seed, which Isaac was that son of promise, that, that he would give them a special land as well. You see it in middle of verse 8. To give the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, and the Girgashites. Did God keep that promise? Yes, He did. Why? Because God always keeps His promises. Because God is always faithful. And then as, as you read on down, as Freddie did in verses 9 and 10, the children of Israel, under the man named Israel, Jacob, they came to Egypt. They did this because there was a great famine in the land, and God had already planned out a way to provide for His people through Joseph, which is another wonderful study of how God takes care of His people who were faithful to him. And so God provided for the children of Israel, but when they were in Egypt, they eventually became slaves. The Bible here says they were afflicted. 
There was the affliction of their fathers in Egypt. But God was faithful. Because God's always faithful. God always keeps His promises. And and God brought those plagues against Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And He led the children out of Egypt. And then, very quickly, they ended up at the Red Sea. You've been here on Wednesday nights. You know we just spent the last about... 14 weeks studying through the story of the crossing of the Red Sea because it's a fantastic Bible account of God working to help His people get through difficult times. What happened when they came to the Red Sea? Did God stop taking care of them? Did God stop keeping His promises? No! This might start to sound repetitious, but it's for a purpose. Why? Because God is always faithful. God always keeps His promises. Because God is good. And God provided for them in the Red Sea so that they were able to cross it. It says in verse 11, Thou didst divide the sea before them so that they went through the midst of the sea on dry land. And their persecutors thou threwest into the deeps as a stone into the mighty waters. Not only did He protect them and provide a way through the Red Sea, He also took care of their enemies at the same time. Then in verse 12, it talks about how God provided for them in the wilderness and He led them with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. God also gave them, notice in verse 13, He gave them a law. He he told them how they were supposed to live. Wouldn't it be hard to serve a God who you had no clue what He wanted you to do? That'd be really hard, wouldn't it? It can be very frustrating, isn't it? If you've ever worked for a boss who didn't make clear what he wanted you to do, it's hard to work for a boss like that. It's hard for children when their parents are not clear in their expectations of what should be at home. And sometimes parents are guilty of that. One day they say, do it this way and clean your room and behave like this and do it this way. And then the next day it's kind of like, well, whatever they want to do is okay. That's hard for a child because it's not consistent, right? God was consistent, though, with His people, and He gave the children of Israel a law. He says at the top of Mount Sinai, it says, He spake us them from heaven and gave them right judgments and true laws and good statutes and commandments and made known unto them thy holy Sabbath and commanded them precepts, statutes, and laws by the hand of Moses thy servant. Even the law was a good gift from God. As we continue to look through this passage of Scripture this morning, I want you to notice, first of all, the recipients of God's good gifts. As you study through this passage, the word give is used 16 times in one way or another in this chapter. Because our God truly is a giving God who delights to meet the needs of His people. And before you think, well, that's just the Old Testament, that's just the Israelites, notice what the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17. It says, charge them that are rich in this world. If you have a lot of things in this world, he says, that they be not high-minded. Don't be proud in what you have accumulated nor trust in uncertain riches. Why? He says, but in the living 
God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Everything we have comes from God. Everything you have this morning comes from God. And God is good all the time. Yes, sir, Brother Larry. We have a special connection around that statement. Because that's how we first met. Through the statement, God is good all the time. God was good to His people, Israel, all the time. And God is good to us all the time. Here's the problem. We often confuse God with His gifts, though. God's gifts are good as well. But we don't always think they're good. Kind of like when you were eight years old and you got a package of socks for Christmas. You might not have thought they were good, but they were good. Sometimes children will do this at Christmas time or at other times when their presents given at a birthday. They'll open this gift and think, wow, look at this. And then they look down and say, but wait a minute, this isn't what I wanted. This isn't what I asked for. And so they get frustrated with the gift and they cast the gift aside. And because they don't like the gift, it might even cause them to be rude to the grandmother or to the other aunt or uncle or parent that gave them that gift. Because they value the gift more than they value the giver of the gift. This happens the same thing to us as Christians, though, even as adults. I don't think we ever outgrow this problem. Because while maybe we can act good at our birthday when we get the gift that we really didn't want, we think, well, I'll return that and get what I really wanted. Or we think, well, I'll re-gift that. I'll just give that to somebody else. Oh, this will be great when we have that you know, funny gift exchange at work next year. I'll put that in the, in the drawing and someone else can take that home and deal with that. I remember one year we had one of those things with our Sunday school class. I mean, you're supposed to love each other in your Sunday school class and somebody put their child's used bathing suit in a box and put that in the gift exchange. And we opened that and I said, what am I going to do with this? I said, I know, I'll save it and put it in the gift exchange next year. That's what I'll do with it, right? Because it wasn't a very good gift and we didn't know what to do with it. But we have to be very careful that we don't view God's gifts like we do each other's gifts. Because God's gifts are always good. The recipient of God's good gifts, He gave the children of Israel a land. If you're taking notes, you could write down verse 8, verse 15, and verse 35. Every one of those verses here in Nehemiah chapter 9 talk about God's gift of a land to His people. That was a good gift. Verse 13, I already mentioned it. Verse 13 and 14, He gave them a law. That was a good gift. In verse number 20, He gives them the ministry of the Spirit. Some of you may have thought that the Holy Spirit wasn't mentioned in the Old Testament. Now, He wasn't given to all believers till the New Testament, till after Jesus left. But the Holy Spirit was alive and well in the Old Testament. He just wasn't working in as visible a way, maybe as we would think of Him as working today. Notice verse 20 in Nehemiah chapter 9. Thou gavest also thy good spirit to instruct them, and withheldest not thy manna from their mouth, and gavest them water for their thirst. 
God gave them His Spirit to instruct them. Now, how did He give them His Spirit in the Old Testament? Generally speaking, it was through the prophets and through the other leaders of the children of Israel. As God would speak to them and they would speak to the children of Israel. But that was God's working of His Spirit to help to lead His people in the Old Testament. So God gave them His Spirit. Verses 15 and 20, He gave them food and water. Remember when they were traveling through the wilderness? I always remember that story in, in, uh, in, in junior church and Sunday school when they'd bring it up and put that big rock up on the board and they would tell the story of how the children of Israel had gone through the wilderness and they had nothing to drink and they were thirsty and they said, what are we going to do? And, and then they would put up a picture of Moses there and then they would put Moses' staff in his hand and God came to Moses, he spoke to Moses, he said, strike the rock. And so Moses did and water came out of the rock. And they drank it. It was good water. You know, God supplied water out of a rock two times for the children of Israel. God didn't just supply water. He supplied food. They were hungry. They even said, it would be better for us to go back to Egypt. Why did you lead us out here in the wilderness to die? I'm getting ahead of myself because sometimes the recipients of God's good gifts don't respond very well when the gifts are given. So God had given them this promise of a land. He's leading them to the promised land. And all they can do is complain. You read that in the Old Testament. Murmur and complain. Murmur and complain. That doesn't sound like just Old Testament problem though, does it? My house this week, there was some murmuring and complaining. Maybe there was in yours. You say, well, I live by myself. There probably was still some murmuring and complaining in your house. Because <laughs> we all struggle with that, don't we? There was murmuring and complaining when God gave them food. He gave them manna, bread from heaven. Every morning they just went out and collected it. And then that wasn't enough, so God gave them birds, flesh. He caused quail to fly so low to the ground, all they had to do was knock them down. They could pick them up and go and prepare them and eat them. God provided, He provided. You can read this chapter and it just talks over and over again. God even made it when they were in the wilderness so that their feet didn't swell, so they wear, wore the same shoes for 40 years. That would save me a lot of money in my house. We just bought Trevor size 13 shoes. Now I can just pass them over to him because we wear the same size. So when you tell him act your age, not your shoe size, that's a compliment to Trevor right now. His shoe size is bigger than his age, but that's okay. He'll grow into that. But the children of Israel, God gave them shoes to wear all the way through the wilderness that didn't wear out. Verse 27, he speaks of how God gave them, and in the Bible here it actually uses the word saviors, but these were people to deliver them. Who were some of these people? Well, he gave them Jonathan to deliver them. He gave them David to deliver them. He, you go back to the book of Judges. He, he gave them Ehud to deliver them. He, he gave them even a woman, Deborah, to deliver them. Because none of the men would step up and do anything, so God sent a woman. Praise the Lord for godly ladies that will serve Him, even in spite of wimpy men who won't do anything. God did a great work. God gave them deliverers. And in verses 22 and 24, God gave them victory over their enemies. 
But that's what God gave the children of Israel. Think about all of those things that I just mentioned and what God gives to us. You know, God has given us as believers a land. It's not in this earth. But Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. He's given us a promise of a land. He said, well, we haven't reached it yet. That's how the children of Israel felt when they were going through the wilderness. But we will someday. You know, God has also given us a law. He said, wait, I, I thought we weren't under the law anymore. Well, when Jesus was questioned about the law, they said, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is likened to it, love your neighbor as yourself. On these two hang all the law and prophets. He gave us great direction in His Word to follow. God's also given us the ministry of the Spirit. And He's given us the ministry of the Spirit in even a more direct way than He gave to the children of Israel in the Old Testament. God gave it to them through the prophets as they would speak what God told them to speak. But the Bible teaches us in the New Testament that God has given the Spirit to every single one of us that are believers in Jesus Christ. What a blessing to have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling inside of us. God has also given us, as believers, even food and water. You say, really? Yeah, what about Philippians 4.19? But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. How about over in Matthew 5? Where he, in Matthew 6, in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is speaking and He says that God is going to provide even food and water because He takes care of the birds and He clothes them, the flowers of the field, and He's going to take care of us as well. God provides for our needs. You know, God has also given us someone to deliver us. He's provided a Savior for us. There were lots of little lowercase saviors that the children of Israel needed over and over and over again because they would do right, God would bless them, they would follow Him and then they would fall into sin and break God's law and they would be punished and they would need a Savior. God would send someone to deliver them and they would get out of it for a while, they'd do right for a while and then they'd go right back into the mess and they would need another Savior. It happened over and over again. I believe all this was picturing, all this was foretelling, all this was pointing towards the future Savior that would come, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who saves us from sin eternally. The Bible says it this way, He's able to save even unto the uttermost forever. And God also gives believers victory over their enemies. We sang the songs this morning, victory in Jesus. I'm on the winning side. I'm so thankful for the victories that we have in Jesus Christ. Not just in this life, but for eternity. So while there are great recipients of God's good gifts, I want to read to you verses 16 through 18. Freddie read a couple of these verses. Because here we're going to see the rejection of the good gift giver. God gives good gifts. We are the recipients of those gifts. But we, like the children of Israel, can end up rejecting the giver 
wanting to enjoy the gifts, but rejecting the giver. Look at verse 16. But they and our fathers dealt proudly. God gave them good gifts. Their response, pride. It says, and hardened their necks, and hearkened not to thy commandments, and refused to obey. Neither were mindful of thy wonders that thou didst among them, but hardened their necks, and in their rebellion appointed a captain to return to their bondage. Again, Bible story time. He's referring to when the children of Israel, when Moses was up on the top of the mountain and he was doing his work, they, they said, we're going to get ourselves a new leader to take us back to Egypt. Because it was better there in bondage than it is out here in the wilderness where we have to walk by faith. It says, middle of verse 17, but thou art a God ready to pardon because he's good because God is faithful and God always keeps his promises even when we break ours he's gracious and merciful slow to anger and of great kindness and forsookest them not verse 18 yea when they had made them a molten calf so not only did they try to go a different direction than God wanted them to go now they're going to try to worship a different God entirely and they said, This is thy God that brought thee up out of Egypt and had wrought great provocations. What awful blasphemy to say to the God who had just delivered the children of Israel from Egypt, brought all those plagues. There was no question they were miracles of an almighty God. Had then helped them go through the Red Sea on dry land. Now they're out in the wilderness and they build this calf made out of gold and they say, this is the God that led us out of Egypt? No, that wasn't the God that led them out of Egypt. There was only one God that could lead them out of Egypt. Because there's really only one true God that's alive and well today. There are many false gods that people would sort of give life to by trying to do things for them and talk about them and worship them. But there's only one true God. And that's the God of the Bible. How did the children of Israel respond when God gave them good gifts? Well, we see, first of all, they refused to bow to His authority. They hardened their necks. We saw that in verse 16. Not only did they refuse to bow to His authority, they refused to listen to His Word. You see that also in verse 16. Notice it says, They hearkened not to thy commandments. That means they didn't listen. They weren't paying attention to what He told them to do. And then it says, They refused to obey His will. Look at verse 17. And refused to obey. It wasn't that they didn't know what was right. They just refused to do it. Verse 17, they tried to appoint a new leader to take them back to their bondage. In verse 18, they worshipped an idol while Moses was up on the mountain receiving the law from God. 
How could these people turn their backs on a God who had done nothing but good for them? I'll tell you how. They didn't truly love Him. They didn't truly love God. Their obedience was an outward form. It didn't come from their hearts. In their hearts, they loved themselves. In their hearts, they were still living in Egypt. And they wanted to return there. They did not have a living faith in God, but they were willing to receive His help and to enjoy His gifts. And I would tell you, many professing Christians today are in the same boat. I would say even people that don't even profess to be a Christian, they like to enjoy God's good gifts as well. Because the Bible is very clear. It says God causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. You don't have to be a Christian to even enjoy the good gifts that God gives. God sends rain, whether you're a believer or not. God gives new life to people, whether you're a believer or not. God gives health and strength to people, all kinds of people, whether they're believers or not. God is good to everybody. But not everybody appreciates the God that gives the good gifts. Because many people are more in love with themselves and more in love with their own way than they are in love with the God who gave the good gifts. I would tell you this, to truly enjoy God's good gifts, we must learn to enjoy the giver more than just the gifts. To truly enjoy God's good gifts, we must learn to enjoy the giver more than just the gifts. You say, well, how do I know if that's where I'm at? I, can I do a self-assessment? Yeah, I think you can. Generally speaking, when things get hard, how do you respond? You get mad, you get depressed, you get frustrated, you get upset. Why? Because I didn't have what I wanted. I didn't have what I liked. I didn't have what I needed. As a child, it might be something as simple as, well, I had to drink water at the restaurant instead of drinking Dr. Pepper. As an adult, it might be something like, well, God, why did you take this job away? Why can't I work here anymore? God, why are things hard? Why does stuff break at my house? Why are there people that don't like me? God, why is my life easy all the time? You've given me all these good gifts. Would you still serve God even if He took away all the gifts? Or do you just serve Him because He gives the good gifts? Remember, God's great. He also is good and He gives good gifts. But sometimes I think we fall into the trap of just enjoying the gifts more than the giver of the gifts. You remember as a kid, I, maybe you were better than me, but I remember after my birthday and I'd get all those gifts and mom would say, now it's time to write the thank you notes. I'd say, oh, why do I have to write these thank you notes now? Well, because some people loved you enough to give you those gifts and you should let them know how much you appreciate them and thank them for the gifts. 
You know, I found as I got older and I started to think about the people that really gave me the gifts, it was easier to write the thank you notes and it actually didn't matter what they got me. I wanted to write them and thank them anyway. Because it was more about the person than it was about the gift, right? Well, that's the way it should be. But I wonder in our relationship with God, are we still like a little baby? And we throw a tantrum when we don't get the gift that we want. Or when the gift that we got isn't quite what we thought it was going to be. God gave us what we asked for and we said, wait, God, I, I really wanted this as well. Or I wanted that other color. This didn't quite work the way I wanted. Or, God, you gave it to me and now it broke. You got to give me another one. I need some new batteries to make this keep working. I don't know what it is. Isn't it funny though? I mean, you get a new car and it's the greatest thing in the world. If you're a parent, you know what this is like. You get a new car, no eating in this vehicle. You better take a shower before you even get in this car, you know. Something happens, it's Houston, there's a big rainstorm or something, people get in with their muddy feet, you get in with your muddy feet. Now, all of a sudden, the car has been defiled a little bit. You take it, you clean it up, you spray some of that new car smell in there, and it kind of gets back to it. But little by little, it starts to slip, doesn't it? And Eventually, you don't like that car as much as you used to like it. Why? Because it's just a thing. And things lose their value over time. Things lose their luster. They're not quite as shiny and nice and fun to play with anymore. Or there's always a new thing out there that's a little bit better than the thing you have. And so you're discontent with your thing because you need that other thing. And then you'll be happy. Things have a way of doing that. But I am so thankful that we serve a God who never gets old. We serve a God who never changes. We serve a God who has never lost one bit of power ever. We serve a God who is always kind and loving. You see that at the end of verse 17. Thou art a God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness and forsookest them not. Can you realize the significance of this that was written several thousand years ago and it's still just as true today as it was back then? The gifts might have changed, but the giver hasn't changed. He's still good. God is still good. These people rejected the giver. We see the next few verses, verses 9 through 22, 19 through 22, I'm sorry. We see the recipients of God's good gifts, that's us. In the story, that was the children of Israel. We see the rejection of the good giver in the story, that's the children of Israel. But I would tell you today, that's many professing Christians reject the giver because they are dissatisfied with the gifts. But we serve a great God who refuses to forsake His people. Verse 19, Yet thou in thy manifold mercies forsookest them not in the wilderness. 
The pillar of the cloud departed not from them by day to lead them in the way, neither the pillar of fire by night to show them light and the way wherein they should go. Thou gavest also thy good spirit to instruct them and withheldest not thy manna from their mouth. Couldn't God have said, well, all right, you're complaining? Okay, no more manna. You know, God, when they complain, God gave them meat as well. says they lacked nothing. Their clothes waxed not old and their feet swelled not. Moreover, thou gavest them kingdoms and nations and didst divide them into the corners. This is talking about God giving them the promised land. He gave them exactly what He told them He would give them. They possessed the land of Sion and the land of the king of Heshbon and the land of Og, king of Bashan. These were powerful rulers that God allowed the children of Israel literally to walk in in some cases and take the land without even much of a fight. God refused to forsake His people. God never forsook His people. He continued to lead them and to provide for them. And I would tell you the same God is our God today. He always keeps His promises and He always fulfills His purposes. If we obey Him, we share in His blessings. If we disobey Him, we miss the blessing. God's purpose will always be fulfilled and His name glorified. Here was the problem with the children of Israel, and I would say a problem that we struggle with today. They lived a short-sighted life because they were selfish. They were trying to get something for themselves right then. God, make me happy right now. God, supply whatever I want right now. God, I don't want to go through anything hard right now because I want what I have right now. But where was God leading them to? To the land flowing with milk and honey, to the promised land, to this wonderful place. God had this wonderful plan for them. You know what's interesting though is you study the Old Testament, and this is real, I've really been struck by this, even going through this again, studying the book of Nehemiah. We forget how much time was passing during all of these things. You know, when God led the children of Israel into the promised land and they were doing wrong, I mean, they didn't live long in the land before they started sinning and worshiping false idols and doing all those things that they weren't supposed to do. God still let them live there after, and this, so you study the history. If you know the kings, you'll know where I'm going here. If you don't know all this history, I think the point will still make sense to you. There was a man by the name of Jeroboam who did wrong in the sight of God. And God told him there was going to be judgment because of him. God allowed there to be 260 years after the time of Jeroboam until the Assyrians came and took over the northern ten tribes. 260 years. That's longer than the entire history of the United States of America. This was after things were really bad. If you go back and you read... Judges and First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, you'll see what I'm talking about here. It, it was really bad. The people were living very wicked lives, and God continued to give mercy to them even beyond all of that for years and years and years. Oh, and beyond that, it was another hundred or so years before the southern two tribes were taken into captivity. I think I have my numbers right. If I'm wrong, you can check me and go back, but... It's an incredible amount of time that took place here. 
God was merciful and he was merciful. And it wasn't just to one group of people. It was to generations. God is so good to us. Even when we don't deserve it. God never forsook his people. You say, well, I thought they went into captivity. They did. And God was still there to help them even in captivity. They were living short-sighted lives. They were just focused on what they could get right now and forgetting about God's great purpose. God gives good gifts, but He gives good gifts not just to give us good things, but also because He wants to fulfill His purpose. Every gift He gives us is good. When we are focused on our purpose instead of God's purpose, we're going to have problems. Israel was a people who lived beneath their privileges and failed to fully accept God's will for their lives. Did you know the land that God promised to the children of Israel was much larger than the land that they actually fully took? Why was that? Well, because they got in the land, they got a little taste, and it was good, and, and they got comfortable, and they quit doing what God told them to do. There was much more blessing prepared for the people of Israel that they missed out on because they got selfish. So, well, we got what we want, and they just took it and sat down and held on. Oh, I am concerned that we fall into the same things today. Oh, God is blessed. He saved me. Great. Okay, now I can just live however I want because I have Jesus in my heart, and so that makes it all okay. Well, it does give you an eternal home in heaven, but there's so much more to serving God and living for Him than just the moment of salvation. Don't get me wrong. That's the greatest day when you come to eternal life in Christ, but that's only the first day. There's a lot more great days to come as we serve Him. I think this can happen in churches. We, we do good things. God blesses. It's exciting. Great. Okay. Now let me just be content with this because God's given us a good gift. And we just start enjoying the gift. And we forget about God's bigger purpose to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And that Jesus said he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. I believe it's God's plan to continue to advance against the forces of darkness and to reach the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ right up until the day that Jesus comes back. He hasn't called us to just do a little bit and then just wait. He said, let's keep advancing. Let's keep going forward. Let's keep walking and serving God. Let's don't get so focused just enjoying the goodness of God that we forget the God that gave us the goodness in the first place. Let's keep serving Him. Let's keep going forward for Him. Let's not stop. Our theme this year, and we're going to get our banners put back up. They took them down. There was a wedding here a couple weeks ago. We've got to get them put back up on the wall. Our theme this year was advance, though. Taking the next spiritual step that we ought to have a goal of winning one to Christ, of leading one forward in discipleship, of following someone else as they disciple us, and of taking those next spiritual steps. And I would ask you, how are you doing in those things? I don't think those are just church goals. I think those should be personal goals. say, well, it's been good. Don't get so focused on just enjoying the good that God gives that we forget the God that gave it and we stop serving Him as we should. Now this last point is a sad point, but it's a very real truth. 
In verses 23 to 30, we read about the retribution of God against the sins of His people. We saw the recipients of God's good gifts, and then the rejection of the good gift giver. We saw God's refusal to forsake His people, and I would tell you, even in their punishment, the chastening, as our Bible calls it, God was still with them. He still didn't forsake them. But they did face some chastening. Look at verse 23. Their children also multiplied. That was the stars of heaven. That's a referral back to the promise that God made to Abraham. God said, I'll multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, as the sand on the seashore. Oh, it's, maybe you're going to be able to say it with me. Why? Because God always keeps His promises. God is always faithful. They're, they're, they multiplied, it says, and brought us them into the land. God fulfilled that promise too. Concerning which thou hast promised to their fathers that they should go in to possess it. Verse 24, so the children went in and possessed the land. And thou subduest before them the inhabitants of the land. God provided for them as they went into the land. The Canaanites and gave us them into their hands with their kings and the people of the lands that they might do with them as they would. Look at verse 25. It, it starts to use some picturesque language for us. They took strong cities. Was the city of Jericho a strong city? Yes, it was. Had very thick walls. I mean, I, I think I've read that these walls were so wide at the top that they could race chariots on the top of these walls. Those are some big walls. And God put these walls down flat. You say, well, did they design some, some new great thing to attack the walls? No, God said, march around them. One time a day for six days, and on the seventh day, march around them seven times. And then they shouted and the walls fell down flat. Over and over, God provided for His people. Verse 25 again, And they took strong cities and a fat land. This was referring to how abundant the land was. The Bible says in other places it was flowing with milk and honey. In other words, the produce was big and it was rich and there was, it was a great place to raise cattle, and it was a great place to raise sheep, and it was just a wonderful land. It's still a beautiful land if you've ever been over to that part of the world. It's a beautiful place. It's a fat land. But the people had a taste of the fat land, and they got fat themselves. They just stopped pushing forward. They enjoyed the gift. They went in this fat land and it says, and they possessed houses full of all goods, wells digged, vineyards, olive yards, fruit trees in abundance. They did eat and were filled. Notice these next few words because they're very important, the rest of this verse. They became fat and delighted themselves in thy great goodness. What's missing there? They delighted themselves in God's goodness. Do you see it? And they didn't delight themselves in God. It's so easy to do. 
God gave me the gift. I'm enjoying the gift. Don't stop there. You can enjoy the gift even better when you enjoy the giver of the gift. You understand that. Have you ever been given something by someone that maybe to everybody else it's not even that valuable, but to you it's very valuable because of who gave it to you? Some of you probably have some things like that at home. That to someone else they say, that's just something small, it doesn't insignificant, it doesn't really matter. But if push came to shove, if things were really difficult and you only had a few things you could gather up, you would go get that thing as opposed to something else that's much more valuable. It could be a photograph. It could be a, maybe a little trinket, a little decoration, a little knickknack. It could be something that causes you to have some wonderful memory of someone else. Because the best enjoyment of gifts is not just enjoying the gift itself, it's enjoying the giver of the gift. Some of you probably have things that were passed down in your family, maybe from somebody else, given to you by a mother or grandmother, given to you by a spouse or a child. I was given this this morning. I took it off before I came up here to preach. Maybe some of you saw it in my announcement time, but I was given this this morning. Carissa came up before the service and said, Here, Daddy, put this on. It's, it's a little sticker that she colored in the face on. looks kind of silly. And, and to her, at some point, it's not going to be very valuable. And I probably won't keep this sticker forever. I'll just be honest. But this, when I was standing here singing, she looked over and she looked and she checked to see if I was still wearing that sticker. You know why the sticker's special? It's not because this paper's really worth very much. It's not because the scribbles really matter. It's because of who did it, who gave it to me. I think we get the point, don't we? They delighted themselves in God's great goodness. And they forgot to delight themselves in God. And here comes the consequences to that. Because it looks good. Everything up to this point looks really good. They're enjoying the land. Everything's great. The olive yards are producing lots of olives. The vineyards are producing lots of grapes. Everybody's happy. Everybody's fat. Nevertheless, verse 26, they were disobedient. They rebelled against thee and cast thy law behind their backs. They slew thy prophets which testified against them to turn them to thee and they wrought great provocations. What happened? God sent his prophets to the people of Israel and he said, in essence, wake up. You're forgetting to follow God. You're not being faithful and obedient to what God has called you to do. You're pursuing after more gifts and more good things and you're not pursuing after God. The people didn't like to hear that. He said, don't tell us those things. Things are good right now. This has happened in our country for a while now. Don't tell me about that. that the, those sins of those people, things are good right now. Don't upset my financial system. 
Don't upset my economy that I'm enjoying. Don't upset all the comforts I enjoy. Let those people do what they're going to do over there. Let me just enjoy the good gifts that I have. Folks, I'm not perfect, and I may not live this out perfectly like I should, but it is my desire to love everybody. Because Jesus loved everybody, and we should. So this is not about hating people. In fact, God never hated these people. But God had to bring hard things in their lives to point them back to Himself. God sometimes allows difficult things in our lives because of our sin. And God may bring judgment on other people because of their sin, but it's not because God doesn't love those people. How do you know that? Because He already sent His Son Jesus to die for them, for their sin. Verse 27, Therefore, here's the punishment now, Thou deliverest them into the hand of their enemies, who vex them. Do you think it made God happy when He saw the children of Israel suffering under the hands of wicked people? No. But God allowed it. He says, And in the time of their trouble, when they cried unto thee, thou heardest them from heaven. God was waiting. Like a father just sitting there saying, Son, come home. Think about the father of the prodigal son in the New Testament. Bible says when that prodigal son returned, the father was already out there watching for him. He's waiting for him. He saw him a great way off. The father wasn't happy when the son left. The father wasn't happy with the way the son was living. But the father knew that he couldn't fix the son. The son had to follow truth and righteousness to come back to the father. And praise God he did. God heard them. God was waiting to hear from heaven. Just like God, I would say, is waiting to hear from us today. It says, Thou heardest them from heaven according to thy manifold mercies. Thou gavest them saviors, who saved them out of the hand of their enemies. But after they had rest, here it goes right again. They did evil again before thee. Therefore leftest thou them in the hand of their enemies so that they had the dominion over them. Yet when they returned and cried unto thee, thou heardest them from heaven, and many times didst thou deliver them according to thy mercy. God did it over and over and over again. And testifiest against them that thou mightest bring them again unto thy law. God's trying to bring them back to himself. He's trying to bring them back to obedience. Yet... Here it goes again. These are hard verses to read. Yet they dealt proudly. They hearkened not unto thy commandments and sinned against thy judgments, which if a man do, he shall live in them. God's reminding them, if you sin, if you do wrong, there are consequences. It's just the way it is. And they withdrew the shoulder Harden their neck and would not hear. This is a picture of like when they would put oxen in a yoke and they would push up against that yoke with their shoulders to pull that plow. 
When they didn't want to work anymore, they'd pull back from the yoke. They'd pull their shoulders back. They wouldn't push with their shoulders. They'd stiffen up their neck instead of lowering their head in submission and putting their shoulder to the plow. People do that today too, don't they? Don't tell me I'm wrong. Don't tell me what to do. May not do it physically, but we do it on the inside, don't we? Yet many years didst thou forbear them, and testifiest against them by thy spirit and thy prophets, yet they would not give ear. Therefore gavest them in thou them into the hand of the people of the lands. God promised to multiply his people, he kept his promise. He promised to give them a good land, he kept his promise. These people enjoyed God's good gifts. They became fat. This is a word that means nourished or satisfied. They were satisfied by the gift instead of the giver of the gift. This led to their downfall. They began worshiping the gifts more than they worshiped the giver. Israel delighted themselves in God's great goodness, but they did not delight themselves in the great God. They wanted the Father's wealth, but they didn't want the Father's will. A lot of people like that today. We want all that God can give us, but we don't want to do what God tells us to do. The Bible says in Re Revelation 3 that there was a church, the church at Laodicea, verse 14 through 22. I won't read all the verses. You can write them down read them later. This church was rich and increased in goods. They had need of nothing. God said they were lukewarm. They were complacent. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 8 and 9. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me, lest I be full and deny thee and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. While the unfaithfulness of Israel is a very dark background to this story, the bright light of God's faithfulness shines through it all, doesn't it? And I'm not preaching this to be hard on the nation of Israel. Because we're no different. I'm thankful that God's faithful to us. When we obey, God is faithful to bless. When we disobey, God is faithful to chasten. When we ask for mercy, God is faithful to forgive. God is willing to give His people many privileges. It's a great privilege to follow God. But He is not willing to give them the privilege of sinning and having their own way. Aren't you thankful that God loves us too much to allow us to become spoiled children? Some of you have probably said that to your kids. I love you too much to let you be spoiled. So I'm going to make you behave a certain way. I'm going to give you certain things or not give you other things because I don't want to spoil you. I want you to be a successful human being, a successful adult in life. And you all know 
that success in life often comes through some great adversity, doesn't it? It's not because everything was easy that people became successful. The most successful people generally came through some great adversity to get there. As you read this passage, these last few verses that I just read, it's almost that it's as if God said, you like living like the heathen so much? Okay, I'll let you live with the heathen. Think about it. God disciplined them in the land. He brought enemies would come from outside and attack and attack and they defend and safety. Eventually, God disciplined them out of their own land. But I would tell you this, God's chastening is as much an evidence of His love as His bountiful supply of our needs. When God chastens, it's not because He doesn't love you, it's because He does love you. The Bible says it this way, For whom a father loveth, he chasteneth. I love my kids, so I'm trying to direct them in a certain way. Read a couple more verses and be done. Psalm 119, 67 says it this way. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now have I kept thy word. Or how about Psalm 94, verse 12 and 13. Blessed is the man whom thou chastenest, O Lord, and teachest him out of thy law, that thou mayest give him rest from the days of adversity. We serve a good God. God is good. And if, I think some of you probably should just go home this afternoon and take out a sheet of paper and start writing down all the ways God is good to you. If you really think, you can probably fill the front side and the back side and a whole bunch more pages. Because God is good all the time. He really is. He's good even in while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. You don't have to be a Christian for God to be good to you. It doesn't matter who you are this morning. You, you could write a list of ways God has been good to you. I realize some people's lists might be longer than other people's lists. That's okay. I didn't always get the same number of presents that my siblings did at birthdays either. Because it's not just about all the good gifts about the one who's giving them to us and i would encourage you to examine your heart this morning i prayed i thought i've meditated on this passage a lot over the last several weeks and there are so many applications that could be made out of this into our lives my priorities of how i spend my money my priorities of how i spend my time is it, am I spending my time and money and energy just to get more gifts for myself or to worship the giver of the gifts? What I do with my words as far as how I speak to others, am I using it to lift up the name of Jesus or something else that's far less important? Do I gripe and complain about my situation in life or do I thank God for everything that he's given me. Just say, God, help me be faithful to you no matter what you give me. Whether I think it's good or bad, 
I don't get to determine what makes things good. God does, because He's good. I'm not. God, help me to be thankful and content with what you give me. And help me to worship you, because you are good. And follow you in obedience. And if you're here this morning and you've never trusted in this Savior, I love it that in this chapter he talks about he sent saviors. He sent us a Savior, Jesus Christ. This Savior came to wash away our sins because even though God has given us good things, all of us, the Bible says, have rejected Him. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So if you've never accepted this good God as your Savior, He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for you, to pay for that sin so you didn't have to pay for it yourself. Again, He's faithful. He's good. Because that's something you and I couldn't do for ourselves. And he says, if you'll call upon him, you can be saved. Your sins can be forgiven. And you can serve him with your life. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, I know that I've accepted him as my savior, but I've not really been living like it. I've been enjoying the gifts. I've been up and down like everybody around me, frustrated by this problem and that problem and, and how this person responds and that person responds. And I need to get back to just focusing on God and enjoying Him and thanking Him for what He's given me. I even think as a church, and my thought is this from a whole church perspective, I, I don't want to just get so content with the good gift that is a Rise Baptist Church that we don't faithfully just keep serving the God who gave it to us and just enjoy, well, this was nice. We enjoyed, that yeah, church was great. Let's keep serving our God. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, help us. In my heart, I, I feel like there's so much here. If we could go back and mine the depths of this passage of Scripture for weeks and weeks as we think about your goodness to us, and your mercy to us, and your forgiveness. Help us, Lord, to consider this truth this morning. Work in our hearts. Convict of sin. Challenge us to be faithful to you. Help us now in this invitation time to respond in obedience to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you keep your heads bowed and eyes closed? Stand to your feet with me as the piano plays a song of invitation if God's spoken to your heart this morning would you come pray give it to the Lord confess it to him remember God is ready to hear he's ready to forgive he's multiplied many mercies would you come he'll forgive he's willing and he's ready